and welcome back to Recover to Flourish, the podcast that aims to debunk all things eating disorder recovery and bring a bit of light to your eating disorder recovery journey. In today's episode, it's actually another collaboration episode, which I'm loving doing because it gets um, new voices and new people to the show to bring a variety of different topics to you. And in today's episode, I'm actually welcomed by Harriet Frew. So Harriet is an experienced BACP accredited counsellor specialising in supporting people with eating disorders and body image issues. She's worked within the NHS and privately since 2003. So over 20 years of experience within the space. She's passionate about the therapy relationship and she has her own lived experience that, you know, really can help the individual find their own way to full recovery. And in today's episode, like I mentioned, is collaboration. We're going to be talking about the benefits of coaching like that I do and I practice and therapy, which Harriet is primarily an eating disorder therapist. We're going to be discussing how that they can be used within your eating disorder recovery journey and also the differences and debunking a few myths. So I hope you enjoy it. As always, if you've got any questions or queries, please contact me via email or via social media. I'll leave all the links down below. And if you like this episode, please make sure to share with others and leave a review if you'd like to. But without further ado, I'm going to dive straight into the episode and I will speak to you all soon. Hello, Harriet. It's lovely to speak with you today. I'm really excited for this episode. We're going to be talking all about therapy and coaching for eating disorder recovery. And, and given our own backgrounds, um, it's going to be a really, really interesting episode. So for the listeners who don't know who you are, can you tell my audience a little bit about, about yourself? Yeah, sure. Yeah. Thanks, Keandra, so much for having me. Great to be here. So I'm Harriet Frew. I'm an eating disorder therapist. I've worked in this field for 20 years, which is a bit scary. (laughs) Um, Yeah, so I came very much came into eating disorders as a wounded healer. I suffered from bulimia in my late teens and early 20s for almost a decade. Decided sort of in my early 20s, I wanted to train in therapy to support others with eating disorders very much sort of came from that wounded healer place, really, and quite sort of idealizing wanting to save the world after not really getting the support I needed myself. So that was my initial sort of um, step in. I then have worked sort of on and off for the Cambridgeshire Adult Eating Disorder Service um, for many years. I'm literally sort of down to like a morning a week now for them. But um, now I predominantly work face-to-face on Zoom, work giving sort of therapy to clients recovering from eating disorders. I also run training for counsellors. I've got an online course and a podcast, the Eating Disorder Therapist podcast. So I guess I do a variety of things and I remain sort of very passionate about um, everything I do. Um, so yeah, that's a bit about me. Um, and can I ask you, Kendra, because obviously we, my audience would like yeah. to hear a bit about you. Could you just tell me a little bit about yourself too for my audience? Yeah, well, thank you for, for telling me about your, your journey. I mean, plates spinning, I think for both of us, we acknowledged before the recording how many plates are spinning with us. But um, I'm Keandra. I am an eating disorder recovery coach. Primarily, it's my main occupation, but I also work within social media for a couple of other companies. Um, I have done for, for, the, for the last five to 10 years. 
I got into eating disorder recovery coaching through, again, I um, have my own lived experience from recovering from an eating disorder in my early to early teens to very early 20s um, and thankfully recovered and, you know, got into the space with my want and need to help others, not directly going straight towards eating disorders, more primarily generalistic mental health, but landed myself in the space and now I help people all over the world, you know, recover from disordered eating, eating disorders, excessive exercise and etc. everything that comes with an eating disorder through coaching. And that is done virtually. So yeah, that's a little bit about myself, I suppose. Um, life-wise, um, I live in Yorkshire, if you know the UK. It's very up north um, with my partner. We have a nice house here. I enjoy walking and the quiet life, I'd say. I've never been one to go out um, drinking or partying, to be honest. So yeah. That's a little bit about me. Nice. Yeah, good to hear that. And um, yeah, I'm pleased to hear that you enjoy like going out walking. Like Yorkshire's beautiful, isn't it? Yeah, it's absolutely gorgeous. And my 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 partner is very big into kind of his, his climbing, bouldering. Um, I think he one day will probably do some outdoor climbing, but I'm I'm slowly getting myself into it. I think uh easy does it. <laughs> Definitely. <laughs> So he's got you doing a bit of bouldering and stuff, has he, already? Yeah, yeah, indoor though. And I feel for me, it's it's bizarre. I can get up the wall absolutely fine, but it's coming down. Even with ropes, I am petrified. But I, it will come with time, definitely. <laughs> that is sure. Good luck with that. <laughs> Thank you. But yeah, so this episode, I suppose it's going to draw upon, you know, both of our in insight into therapy and coaching for eating disorders obviously Harriet you've you've had you know a long time working in the space so I'm sure you have so much insight into this and for me a couple of years within the coaching space you know I, I offer a different aspect a lens to recovery but you know I think this is going to be really helpful for people who don't actually know <laughs> about these areas so I think first off for for everyone's sake, what are the key benefits of therapy and coaching for eating disorder recovery from your perspective? Sure. Well, I think obviously some people do go it alone, don't they? And, um, you know, navigate yeah. their own road. But I think if you do reach out and have coaching or counselling or therapy, it can be a way to sort of fast track. I mean, not necessarily going fast, but <laughs> faster track your recovery because of you're sort of working with someone who can really give you that sort of safe space to um, gain insight, gain awareness, gain sort of psychological understanding, I guess, about what why you have this eating disorder, maybe how it's developed, how it's serving you, how you've used it as a kind of coping strategy. Because I think often when people come to therapy or coaching, they have no kind of concept of that. They just feel very, very lost. And then mm. I guess also then you can learn a lot of skills and strategies and kind of healthier ways to support your mental well-being, maybe than rather than sort of using food or body image as kind of coping. So, yeah, so I guess those are some of my thoughts. But I don't know what you would add to that, Kendra, in terms of like sort of the coaching side of it, particularly. Yeah, I think think both actually work very much hand in hand, which a lot of people don't realize is sometimes you can have a coach and a therapist at the same time. Often that is the case because with coaching, as you very wisely said, you go into therapy, maybe being quite lost, not understanding 
the purpose, the role of the eating disorder. And therefore, coaching can be quite a, a jump because coaching is very much working on actionable steps to get you to your goals. And that's where, you know, you think mentorship, coaching and therapy all differ slightly within the same realm. That being said, obviously, we un- we, we would work on underlying and motivational factors for the eating disorder, but it's very much that we both together find solutions to problems. Um, and that is how coaching differs from therapy. Whereas therapy, you kind of are working out the, the emotions and finding coping tools um, m- more within a, a therapeutical space. I think that that would be my biggest difference or benefit from coaching is it's kind of that actionable step towards your goals. Yeah, and it's really interesting, isn't it, as well? Because I think is what's worth just clarifying for the listeners is it depends as well what kind of therapy you have. So yeah. I think, say, for example, if you had sort of psychodynamic therapy, your therapist may very much be what we call more in therapy, like the blank screen. They, you know, would not really mm-hmm. be giving you a lot back, would be really putting the ball more in your court, helping supporting you, I guess, to come up with the insight and awareness. Whereas if you went to see a cognitive behavior therapist, for example, that could be much more aligned with something that is a bit more like coaching, where it would be the therapist would be much more directive, you'd have goals, it's probably time limited. Um, So I guess there can be quite a lot of overlap, can't there? And it's probably just really helpful For for anyone listening just to really investigate with that individual person what exactly they offer. Yeah. And I think as well, every, everyone is very different. Some people really like to just have the space to talk and explore. And I would say with that, that's quite person centered therapy where, you know, the, the therapist would give minimal prompts, um, and you would guide the session, but for others. And I think, especially when you are, you know, to add eating sort of a very, um, unique field in the respect that when you become, and if you become nutritionally depleted or, you know, you're restricted of energy, your mindset is quite rigid and unable to make as many kind of cognitions and thought processes and patterns and understanding. So, you know, there might be different therapeutical practices or coaching for different stages of your recovery. I don't know if you would agree with that, Harriet. Yeah, I know, completely agree, actually. And I'm just even wondering as well, just kind of thinking out loud, but Within your coaching, actually, even Kendra, would you even be taking the role almost of a kind of nutritionist slash dietitian? Um, you know, obviously, maybe that be, may be not your sort of specialist kind of field, but in terms of like really honing in more on the kind of practical side as well of um, maybe creating a meal plan, etc., yeah, I think within me, with me, I am actually, uh, uh, I've got a nutritional diploma up to level five, so I can guide mm. people with the nutrition side. However, as always, I try not to wear too many hats within sessions. So instead of giving specific nutrition guidance, which again, you know, is its own kind of appointment in itself, we more work on potentially exploring fear foods, options that they could have for snacks and meals, trying to understand fears around specific foods and actually coming up with, you know, maybe meal, you know, options within session. So nutrition definitely plays a big part, which it might not do as much within therapy, 
but not as specific as in session, I'm going to give you a meal plan. And it might not be as appropriate for everyone as well. We've got to remember that meal plans, there is a, a definitely a use case for, for people, but for others, you know, it can actually feed the fire if you would say. Yeah, no, I'm completely with you there, actually. And I think having recovered myself completely without a meal plan whatsoever, <laughs> I tend to be more yeah. the other way. But yeah, it, it, it's, it's so helpful, though, isn't yeah. it, to just clarify how it um, indiv- yeah. each individual is very sort of um, individual in what they need and desire and what's helpful in recovery. Definitely. And I think we've touched on this briefly already, but, you know, how do and how would you say therapy and coaching complement each other in in somebody's recovery journey? I know, you know, they do work hand in hand. So, yeah, I suppose if you if you were going to someone was kind of seeing a therapist and seeing a coach, I guess, you know, I would say that probably with the therapy, you're more likely perhaps to focus on what's sort of underneath the eating disorder, maybe looking at your childhood, how things develop, trigger factors for the eating disorder. And, you know, as I've said, I guess, like often now, I know in the therapy that I do with clients, I would do that deeper work and I would then be moving on to the skills and strategies as well. But maybe in, you know, in some settings, perhaps people would do more that kind of psychological deeper work with a therapist. And then maybe with the coaching, it would be more kind of practical. And some of the things that you've sort of talked about where it's really sort of actionable steps and goals and sort of specific things that have been brought up by the clients, sort of, you know, collaboratively. Definitely. And I think also, you know, to know is like coaches and therapists can work closely together as well. You know, oftentimes it's that open communication if appropriate. So you can actually like have that, you know, level of communication with all of your kind of support network. Maybe that be a medical team or your dietitian, a coach, a therapist. Obviously, it really depends as well on your availability to get that amount of support Obviously, we know that, you know, private healthcare is a privilege and it's an, it's a shame that there isn't, you know, more, you know, easily accessible resources out there. So it all depends on the individual, I think, as well of how much they they can invest in their health or how much help they can get to invest in their health. Um, you know, and I and I think that's worth noting is it really is dependent on the individual. Yeah, no, I think really true. And just something else that I was just thinking about, actually, is I think sometimes, I'm sure you probably find this as well, that, you know, someone might not be ready for actionable change at this moment in time. However, they may be ready to explore more the why for their eating disorder. So I think sometimes as well, that's where therapy can offer the space to really like really make sense of the kind of putting the pieces of the jigsaw together about why am I struggling with this? How's it helping me cope, et cetera. And that can lay a good foundation. And then maybe at a later date as well, when someone is more really in the, like, I am ready to change. I want to put things into action. That could be a time I think when people can really embrace kind of, you know, well with, um, with a sort of recovery coach because of they've almost kind of like, done a lot of that reflective insight awareness work and then they've got to that point where they just thought I've had enough now I really want to take active change and I think I don't know if you find this Kendra but I think when you embark on coaching as well you probably do need to be quite motivated and ready to take at least some action steps don't you otherwise it could be quite a frustrating process on both sides for coach and for client definitely and I think that's you know it's very 
great it's great that you said that because I'm making that very clear early on that this is a two way it's a two way kind of battle for the eating disorder. I would love to do the work for you, but when we come up with goals they they you know it's a it's a case of you know I can't do the work to get you to the goals I can help you find your route there but it has to has somebody has to be motivated to recover and you know maybe I always have that awareness of if that is not the right time for you maybe to to be coached is we take a step back and then explore other routes and that might be with therapy and that or that might be with something much more intense but again it's not appropriate to really um start coaching maybe in the really early stages of recovery it can be quite overwhelming overwhelming yeah no I'm with you there Mm, definitely I mean within your own practice can you you know if obviously anonymously but can you share any real real life success stories where therapy has had a significant impact on somebody's recovery I'm sure you've got I guess guess I've got someone in mind who you know I saw in the NHS about pretty about five years ago and has now had a baby, which was has been amazing because of, um, yeah, this person really thought that she had completely damaged her fertility and she didn't think that was going to be possible. And, you know, she came into the NHS service like really, really unwell and, yeah, but has, has had a baby in the last year. So that's been incredible. Mm. So I, I guess I can think of many stories like that, really, where people have just, just turn their lives around and even after living with eating disorders for many years and I guess it's just never too late and it's just so rewarding and yeah I I love my job I guess so when I reflect on those stories. Mm. It's like you know you really are making that profound impact on somebody's life that might have not might have lost hope and I think that's a lot of the time before therapeutical help either coaching or, or traditional therapy, a lot of people have lost hope in their recovery. So I'm sure, you know, I know for myself, it's just, it's beautiful to see that change. I think my story is actually similar to that client actually came up to the area that I lived and, and she didn't, we didn't really like spend time together, but she just wanted to like say thank you. Cause she'd got pregnant. She had a new baby with her and her husband was there and she was just beaming with joy. And it was just like, wow, okay, this is real. You know, this is somebody's life that you've managed to help. You know, they found their way, but with your guidance, it's, you know, it's a beautiful, like, flourishing journey, as you'd say. Yeah, definitely. It's lovely. And not everyone that's listening has to go and have a baby to recover. No, not at all. (laughs) Some people, not at all. I think it's just from, like, both for for both of us, it's that, you know, that was their intention, you know, mm, they wanted definitely. that with nothing else. So, you know, definitely not other people have many different goals for sure. But I mean, we've talked about, you know, potentially some of the the success stories, but actually what practical tools and approaches to therapy offer to, you know, empower people? You know, can you give me some examples? Yeah, well, I guess it's so diverse in terms of mm. what kind of therapy you have. 
I mean, in terms of the way I work more myself, I'm sort of integrative. So I work on the deeper issues and I work more on skills and strategies as well. So some of the main therapies I draw on, um, you know, which include a lot of practical tools are things like cognitive behavior therapy, also sort of motivational enhancement therapy, because of, as we sort of touched on already, um, Mm. you know, sometimes people aren't that motivated for change or they can feel really ambivalent because the eating disorder is serving them in some way. So I think often... I'm sure you might find in coaching as well, that motivational piece is really, really helpful because of someone often needs to explore their ambivalence and also really think about like, what are my values? Why do I want to recover? Start to kind of create some hope and a bigger picture really about what you're moving Mm -hmm. towards. Also draw on a bit like cognitive analytic therapy. I find that can be quite helpful, particularly looking at kind of broader themes around the eating disorder, you know, perhaps how you relate to yourself self-worth, relationships, self-care, because often all of those issues are kind of going on sort of underneath the eating disorder. And also like compassion-focused therapy as well. Like I think, you know, for most clients, they are really struggling with that very strong inner critic. Often they're very kind to others, not compassionate and kind to themselves at all. So, you know, I guess I use kind of different practical tools um, from all of those different therapies and other things, I guess, that I've picked up over the years that are quite specific to eating disorders. Um, but is that similar for you, um, Kendra, in, in coaching or h- how do you work? It is, it's different to some degree. I mean, for me, I draw upon, I'm a therapeutical coach because obviously with my background in, in counseling and I'm, I've done CBTE, it's similar to you. And I've also done some DPT training. So again, it's really dependent on the individual. You know, some people, you know, are very, I suppose, aware of the tools that they already have, but they want to understand how they could fit them into their lives. If that makes any sense. It's like they have everything that they need, but it's like, how I need the confidence to do it like that accountability. And I think that's a big thing. What maybe is different to a, from therapy to a coach is actually the accountability aspect is actually how somebody would stay on track to their goals rather than you know, potentially just exploring it within session. So that's, that's what I would say is something that's really big within my sessions is, is that, that accountability, which could be done also through texting accountability. So I have some clients who use, you know, texting as part of their journey so they can have access to me within a certain time frame to actually be able to kind of hit the nail on the head when the eating disorder is loud, loud, etc. So yeah, a variety of different tools, to be honest. <laughs> no one size fits all. Yeah, they're sure. And I guess that is a sort of difference, isn't it? Like within therapy, often you, the boundaries are more clear around your support is within the sessions. Yeah. Whereas like, would people kind of sort of check in daily with you? Or is it yeah how frequently I mean they they can check in daily if that's what they want to do if they if they if that's you know most people if they have got onto that that package of services then yes they would be able to check in multiple times a day most people don't because you know they use the tools themselves and everyone uh, you know has their own day-to-day things but a lot of people will just check in to be like this was my win today I'm proud of me kind of that like verbal diary to some degree and obviously there's boundaries there and there's things that we we do, we discuss and we we won't discuss and and that's about having that open open communication quite early on yeah no sounds good yeah. sounds good and I, I can really sort of see the benefit of that actually because I think um sometimes it can feel 
particularly perhaps in those earlier stages, like an hour of therapy a week, and then you're kind of out in the ether for the rest yeah. of it. Um, can yeah. feel, it can feel quite lonely and isolated. Definitely. And I think it's appropriate for certain times and not for others. And some people don't like that, you know, daily, daily communication and actually work things out themselves. That's why everyone is very, very different. And I suppose on that, what are some myths around therapy or coaching that you know that you can debunk? Yeah, well, do you know what? Good question. Because <laughs> I was thinking, what do people generally think about therapy these days? I don't know, actually, um, because I'm thinking some of the kind of like <laughs> the myths I would have thought were myths in the past are probably not so much myths anymore. So can you help me out here? <laughs> what is a I think, myth? I think a lot of, for me, I think society has changed dramatically, to be honest, in the respect that, you know, it's now not necessarily taboo to see a therapist it's actually something that is celebrated and actually go you know we all need therapy you know and when when all of these like online potentially apps like you know we can name a few that have come into um the sphere of you know where you can access online therapy etc it's made it more accessible for people so i don't think it's as there is as many myths around it however i think a lot of people assume therapy uh has kind of a time limit that you need to be better within a certain time frame or therapy will fix you i think that is a big myth because yes it's going to help you on your journey but the therapist's role is not to fix you or the coach it's about us finding you know solutions and working things out together so you can heal and i think that's a myth more of you know one that mm. maybe is not so so known is actually it's not the therapist's jobs to fix fix others I don't know if you'd agree with that yeah no definitely I think yeah really helpful to sort of mention that it is about isn't it taking responsibility in recovery mm-hmm. and that can feel massively daunting but actually when you do that it's incredibly empowering because I think I mean I just know in my own journey looking often to others to try and provide that kind of magic bullet really that magic wand something that was going to make it all better and then getting very disappointed in a way when someone outside wasn't able to fix me and Mm. you know that's the thing isn't it people can like a therapist a coach they can support you they can encourage you they can give you lots of tools and strategies but ultimately you need to want to recover for yourself and you need to sort of step into that place and put the tools and strategies into practice um someone can't kind of miraculously um cure you by you being in their presence sadly yeah and I think it's it's just worth noting that before you go into a a therapeutical setting just so you don't get disappointed it's like actually I'm gonna have to do some work here um and 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 be aware that it's it recovery is is hard you know nobody nobody said it was easy but I think it's it's just worth recognizing that therapists are definitely magicians in some sense like they you know I I oftentimes think you know possessing skills that you can have that compassion however not magic in the sense that you can magically take somebody's eating disorder away from them. So that would be the only thing that I would say. Yeah, no, Mm. I'm completely with you. (laughs) I'm with you. And I think there's something about maybe accessing support when the timing is right for you. And I think this is not Mm. to say there's ever a perfect time and that you should delay getting help waiting for that perfect moment because the perfect moment won't come. But I think, as you're saying, 
you know, when therapy is hard work, it does take up time. And it's probably good just to be, have a bit of space in your life where you have got time to reflect and work on recovery and also maybe to make sure you've got some supportive people around you. And that sometimes only needs to be one or two people, doesn't it, to sort of be your cheerleaders. But those things can really help, I think, perhaps rather than launching into therapy when you're like moving house or about to undergo a massive life event when you've already got enough on your plate. Definitely. It requires mental energy. And I I often find, you know, clients say that they've been tired after a session because you are using your brain, you know, you're using mm-hmm. emotion and it's being kind to yourself and being, yeah, in the right place where you want to go, not being forced. And I think that's really, really important is no one can force you to get better, number one, but nobody can force you into therapy or coaching you have to want it for you because then you'll do the work yeah so important and um I think it's a better even to delay therapy isn't it to when you are in that place because if you're just doing it for your mom your partner it's probably not gonna really give you the benefits that it could do and I think I think it can also devalue therapy or coaching if you're doing it for someone else rather than yourself because of you're almost then just kind of going through the process aren't you without really engaging your soul in that recovery process definitely you have to be invested and you know you're you're like you said you're it's about you know inner soul work and inner soul healing so if you're not fully invested it might not be as beneficial as it could be so that you know definitely i definitely agree agree with that I suppose you know, as we as we're drawing drawing to a drawing to a close. I mean, what can you know? What long term benefits can would somebody expect from your side from therapy in their journey to eating disorder recovery? Well, I'm going to say this kind of therapist <laughs> from my own experience, but I think <laughs> doing the work, increasing the awareness, learning those different skills and strategies, it just really sets you up for the long term. I think for life. I know from my own experience, I had a lot of therapy in my 20s. I mean, not much of it actually was eating disorders specific because back in the day it wasn't really available. But I had a lot of some more like kind of general therapy slash counselling. And it definitely has made my 30s and 40s so much more peaceful. My relationships have been better. I've been able to be just much more aligned with knowing myself, making choices that make me feel happy, setting boundaries with people, managing my emotions. You know, I guess it really provided me with a toolbox for life. So although in my Mm. 20s, sometimes it was pretty turbulent and I wasn't always enjoying therapy and it felt kind of hard work and digging around at things I didn't really want to talk about. I guess that short term pain has been so, so worth it for the longer term peace, contentment and mental well-being. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I would, I would reiterate that, but I also think, you know, like, like you mentioned, it's, you know, life can be hard, you know, and life is hard, but that's also, it's okay. But it's as long as you, you know, know that the, you know, have the tools that the eating disorder is not there to be your comfort in times that are hard in the future. I think that's what, you know, therapy and coaching can really help you develop is actually those actionable steps for you to maintain well 
and not use it as your coping mechanism anymore. So that that is about finding new coping mechanisms a lot of the time. Yeah, hundred percent. Definitely, definitely. I mean, you know, as we as we are drawing to quiz, what what you know, for somebody who is looking into therapy of any sort or coaching, what words of encouragement do you have to take them to the next step in their healing? Yeah, I would just say like, be you know, be hopeful that recovery is possible. You know, if you don't find a therapist or coach immediately that you have a good fit with, just don't close that door. Keep pursuing, you know, different avenues. I think, you know, I know definitely with sort of the therapy research, it sort of shows that the relationship with that therapist or counsellor is the most important thing rather than mm-hmm. actually any specific sort of modality type of therapy. So I think... Finding someone who you can talk to, who you feel that you can be reasonably open with and establish trust, that's all going to help. And so finding that right person, and there's no kind of perfect person. I think there are many people out there who could be, you know, well aligned and could work well with you. But, you know, you might not meet them on the first sort of call or, and, and I guess it's just like keep kind of keep pursuing that. And um, although it feels scary, I just say, it, you know, it's so worth it. And, um, you know, be brave, be courageous and hold that bigger picture of hope and all your dreams for the future. Definitely. I th- yeah, again, really, really beautiful point. I think for me as well, it's don't be afraid to ask questions, you know, of, of what maybe their their skill set is or what what tools they might draw upon on. And, and if you've done research yourself, you know, see what see what things that you like the sound of. Maybe that is CBT. Maybe that is you know, other types of therapy, that is okay. It's you kind of don't be afraid to ask those important questions because it's your recovery at the end of the day. You know, it's really, you know, it's a really important journey. So that that's what I would say. Yeah, definitely. Absolutely. <laughs> definitely. So, you know, for the listeners, how, you know, for your, for your, for my listeners anyway, how would they find you and how could they potentially access therapy? Sure. So best thing is go to my website, the eating disorder therapist.co.uk. Um, also, you can listen to the eating disorder therapist podcast or follow me on Instagram at the eating disorder therapist underscore. And Kendra, what about you for my listeners? Yeah, I think I, I also have my own website, Flourish with Kiandra, and I'm sure we'll both leave the, the, the details in the show notes, but I, I'm also active on social media, so at Flourish with Kiandra. Again, the spelling is kind of annoying, so it's C-I-A-N-D-R-A. Again, we'll be in the show notes, but I, I just offer a lot of information on on eating disorders and recovery and and various things to help people on their journey so that is that is for me lovely Amazing. well thank you so much it's been lovely yeah, speaking to you thank you definitely definitely thank you so much see you soon